We'll talk about the cross. Look at the cross this morning, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. I just want to look at a few things before I get to that point in the message. The cross is both a, is a mixture of ugliness and loveliness. Ugliness, uh, the brutality of it, found in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4, th- 4 through 6. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are, are healed, all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The, the, the ugliness of it is the utter brutality of it. But yet it is lovely. Because it was a, he was the perfect sacrifice. Isaiah 53 again, verse 10 and 11 says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days. And the pleasures of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. It's ugly. There's brutality of it, but it's lovely because he's a perfect sacrifice. But also there's a mixture of tragedy and triumph. Tragedy, of course, the crucifixion. And he, John 19, verse 17 and 18, and he bearing his cross went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. The tragedy, of course, is the crucifixion itself. In Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 6, it's also triumph. This is, this is exciting. You were here in the first service, Mike prayed before we participated in the bread, and he said, you know, the, the, if he was just crucified, that's a tragedy like anybody else died. But the difference is, he was resurrected. He lives. That resurrection, as I'll point out later in the message, is God was satisfied. The word I read it here just a minute ago, he became the propitiation. That's a great word that you can't use in Scrabble because it's got too many letters but it simply means satisfied. He became the propitiation for our sins. He satisfied God's righteous demands. You see, it's a tragedy, but it's a triumph. The resurrection, Mark chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, Salome, brought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who has been crucified He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. I love it. He is risen. He's not here. The resurrected Savior. It's a tragedy, but yet, what a triumph. Paul said, as it was true of the early church, 
They focused on the preaching of the death of Christ as much as they did the resurrection. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified. He said in chapter 2, verse 2, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Then again in Galatians chapter 6, 14, God forbid that I shall boast or glory except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The cross is a very important aspect indeed as it, as it is of the talking of the resurrection itself. John MacArthur put it this way, Don't ever pass over the meaning of the death of Christ on your way to celebrate the resurrection. It is the cross that gives meaning to the resurrection. Do you get that? It's the cross, the cross, that gives meaning to the resurrection. The cross, the perfect Savior, became our perfect sacrifice. The cross gives meaning to the resurrection. So we're going to spend a little bit of time looking and talking about the cross, but I want, and I want to look at it specifically from Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Romans 5, 8. Listen to these words. It may be familiar to you. You may have memorized it at one time. But God demonstrates his own love towards us now his love, this is an unconditional, unmerited, self-giving love. He demonstrates his unselfish, unconditional, self-giving love to us in that while we're yet sinners, what's it mean to be a sinner? It means to continually miss the mark. He loved us even though we continually missed the mark. We took a bow and arrow, we aimed it at the target, and we missed it every time. So we moved closer, and we still missed it. We got an inch away from it, and we still missed the target. Why is that? Because we're sinners. So God to demonstrate his unconditional self-giving love to us, even though we continue to miss the mark, these great four words, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Christ died. The purpose of his death, the place of his death. The purpose of his death... Found there in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 and 14. 9, chapter 9, I'm sorry. But we, but we do see him who is made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus. Because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, listen, for by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. The purpose of his death, so he could taste death for you. So he could taste death for me. He tasted death, he tasted death for everyone. Chapter 9, verse 27 and 28 of Hebrews also says, And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after that the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. He bore our sins. He took our place. Christ died. The purpose of it was to, to, to take our place. The perfect son, Roman, or Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Christ died. The purpose of his death, the perfect son became the perfect servant in order to become the perfect sacrifice. The place of his death, it was, it was grim but appropriately named for a place that criminals were to be slain.
course, that's speaking of the at Golgotha. Now, as they came out, they found a man, a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to the place called Golgotha, that is to say, the place of a skull. It was outside the city, is not exactly known. It may be the uh, Gordon's uh, Calvary, uh, possibly. But it simply grew out of the ugly facts of the execution itself. This is where they executed criminals, the place of the skull. Fitting name. Grim, appropriate, but that's the place where he is of his death. Christ died, the purpose, the place. Christ died, the pain of his death and the prophecy of his death. The pain of his death, Luke chapter 23, verse 33 And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. The pain of his death. Don't you think it's interesting to the four Gospels? (laughs) Last week we had a power surge and about blew everything out and we scared us all. But anyway, it happens. In the four Gospels, they give very little details of his agony. Of the brutality. We, we, we emphasize it just because of our grimness, I suppose. But in the four Gospels, very little is said about the brutality that he went through. We know that he was beaten numerous times. We know that he was unrecognizable as a man. But what the Gospels do emphasize, all the same thing, and that is the cross, the significance of the cross, where he was forsaken and abandoned by God. See, the anguish, the anxiety that he suffered was not physical. He was forsaken, and he was abandoned by God. Why? Because he bore our sins on the cross, and a righteous God cannot handle, cannot look at, cannot tolerate sin. That's why Christ had to die. That pain, the place there is the skull. The pain of of death itself was the cross, the, the agony of being forsaken and abandoned by God. That's why in the garden he prayed, let this cup pass from me. He wasn't praying that he wouldn't have to die. I believe that he was praying had to do with understanding that God would have to abandon him because he was under the weight of the sin of the world. But put it in this context, if if he had not died for your sins and my sins, where would we be today? Hopeless? and absolutely helpless except by the grace of God the prophecy there the prophecy of his death is found in Luke chapter 23 verse 96 and when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice he said father into your hands I commit my spirit having said this he breathed his last that was a fulfillment of scripture Mark chapter 15 verse 28 says, So the scripture was fulfilled. If you turn over to Psalm 22, there are several Old Testament scriptures that are fulfilled because of the cross. But Psalm 22 has some of the the most or best teaching or explanation of things that happened with the situation of the cross that fulfilled scripture. Psalm 22 verse 1 and 2. He would be forsaken. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In verse 7 and 8, he would be ridiculed and mocked. Number 7, all those who see, see me ridicule me. 
They shoot out the lip. They shake their head saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue himself. Let him deliver himself since he delights in him. Uh, remember one of the thieves on the cross said, as well as individuals on the ground were saying and yelling at him, says, Well, you saved others. Save yourself. That's a fulfillment of scripture. It was a fulfillment of prophecy. Verse 15 and 16, same chapter. My strength is dried up like a pot's shirt herd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to dust of the earth, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They, per- they pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. His feet and the hands would be pierced. He would also have lots cast for his clothing. Verse 18, they divided my garments among them and formulate my clothing. They cast lots. His death on the cross fulfilled scripture, the prophecy of his death. It was a fulfillment of that. Christ died. The pain, the prophecy, the place, and the the purpose. Christ died, and here's the best part of all. Christ died for us. It's personal. He died for you. He died for me. The word for actually carries with it three shades of meaning are attached to that Greek preposition for, and it will assist us in understanding what it means that Christ died for us. The first one, he died for our sake. In other words, he is our savior. Uh, He died for our sake, just like a mother in a famine stricken by, in a famine of a stricken city suffered starvation because she gave her, her small rations to her infant son. A father who suffered for the sake of his family to provide a better life. He died for us. He is our savior. John 3.17 says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He died for us. He died for us. He is our Savior. Who is your Savior? What are you trusting in? Or who are you trusting in? He died for us. He died on our behalf, not just for our sakes, but he died on our behalf. He is our representative. Christ died for us and did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He satisfied the righteous demands of God. Remember I said he became our propitiation. He satisfied God. God was satisfied because of Christ's death on our place. He died for us on our behalf, our representative. Christ became our sinless, self-sacrificing representative. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loves us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He sent the son to satisfy God's righteous demands. Because you and I could not satisfy God. Only Christ, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect son, the perfect servant, could only satisfy God's righteous demands. He became our representative. Not only was our representative, but also in our place. For our sake, on our behalf, in our place. He is our substitute. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. The stripes which we should have 
fallen on, that which should have fallen on us, fell on him. All the punishment due me, all the punishment that was due you, he bore in my place. For God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. He died for us. Listen, if you, if you don't remember anything else of this day, Christ died for us. The resurrection is confirmation that God's demands were met when Christ died for us. The glory of the resurrection rests in the meaning of the cross. Because Christ died for us. He died that we could live. He is the perfect son, became the perfect servant, in order to be the perfect sacrifice, became our perfect savior. Christ died for us. Let me ask you the million dollar question. If you died right now, would you go to heaven? See, Christ died for you. That you could have life. You could have it more abundantly. God resurrected Christ to show that he satisfied his righteous demands so that we will not have to die because he already died in our place. He's our substitute. Christ died for us. Where will you spend eternity? We trust that if you're here this morning and you do not know Christ as your Savior, after service you'll come up to myself or another leader here in church and be able to talk to them and ask them, what does it mean to be saved? We'll be more than happy to tell you about how Christ died for you and what that means. The resurrection is a confirmation that God's demands were met when Christ died for us. We're going to close the service this morning. Julie's going to sing one last number. This song has been, I don't know if it's necessarily special, It's just many in our church have identified with it on holy ground. On holy ground. Julie, why don't you come, please?